Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 157. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm bringing you another interview with someone whom I love speaking with. Every time I talk with her, it's just a really grounding experience for me. And I'm sure that she has the same effect in her work with clients and both in her therapy practice and her coaching work. My guest today is someone you've Heard from a few times before, you'll recognize her voice, Lainey Smith. Lainey is a registered art therapist, the owner and founder of Integrative Art Therapy, and a transformational wellness coach. And she is someone who I have learned so much about creativity, mindfulness, eco art therapy, and presence. So I hope you will. Enjoy listening to our conversation about self-care, creativity, connection with yourself, joy, play, intuition. I really enjoyed it and I hope you will too. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking again with someone who I just love having on this podcast. Lainey Smith is back on Therapy Chat today. Lainey, thanks so much for coming back to Therapy Chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy too. I was just going to tell you before we started recording and then I decided to just say it on the recording that every time I've had you on, I feel like after our conversation, I feel like I've either just done a yoga class or just had like a really meditative experience because there's just something so calming about the way you do what you do and the way you talk about what you do. And it's something that you bring. I always feel like I, I need more of that. Mm, thank you so <laughs> much for those kind words. I'm humbled. Oh, it's very heartfelt. So that's why we're talking again today is to talk about how 
we can experience more of that kind of feeling of that stillness and spaciousness, expansiveness that is, it's pretty hard to find in everyday life in culture of American life. Yeah, I would agree with that. 150 plus percent. I think we are living in a culture that is just so fast paced and the you know, the burnout rates are higher than ever. And and really stress feels like an epidemic at this point. And so what I, you know, I just did a talk last night, actually, with I was with the um, social workers, Arizona Social Workers Association. And part of what I was sharing with them is that I'm actually not going to be sharing anything new with you. Like you're, you're all educated, you're professional, I know you're fantastic at what you do, and I don't have anything new in terms of information to teach you. It's about stripping things down, like just way down to the basics. And really, in order to create just sustainable self-care, having enough white space in our life, in our minds, in our bodies, in order to actually hear what's best for us. So I, um, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying on so many levels, because I know I've had my own experiences with just having my life so crowded that I can't even hear what's good for me, that I'm, I'm just on autopilot. And it certainly has not helped my health. And it, it really, it stripped the joy. When I don't have white space, I feel less joy. Yeah. I really would like to, before we even go into anything else, sort of define and unpack that word or that phrase, white space, because, I mean, we can, we can see what it is. It's time on the calendar, but what, you know, what is that really? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. I know for myself as uh, someone who's historically considered myself a creative and would sometimes wear the label as artist and sometimes throw it aside, I felt like white space was time to meander. You know, time that is not scheduled, it doesn't have an agenda, it's not rooted in the to-do list and strategy and outcome, outcome related. And, you know, the research on creativity, the research on play, and even some of the research being done with nature and green spaces all point to this direction that we need that. Like we need that in order to be good problem solvers. Because when we're focused on the problem and we're focused on in doing mode, you know, primarily sympathetic nervous system, when we're in that space, we can't see the whole picture. So we really need that balance. And what I see happening is people's schedules are packed so tightly that it's just, it's almost like um, having the gas and then the brake and then the gas and then the brake. And so there's never time to actually enjoy that downtime if it's just exhaustion. Yeah. I mean, I can block off time in my calendar where I don't have clients, Mm -hmm. but I, it's, and this is the season that I'm in right now in my life. It's not always this way, but this is how it is for me now is that it's hard for me to envision marking off time on my calendar and really not doing anything in that time, anything. 
Sure. And I should rephrase that because I don't think that it's doing nothing. It's that you're doing whatever you're doing. It's not outcome focused. So there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So you may be meditating, but I'm not a huge meditator. I have had a, a on again, off again practice with meditating for a long time. It's not something that I feel is necessary. And, and that when I think of do nothing, that's typically what comes to mind is meditating. I could just <laughs> as easily get into that white space and, and that um, opposite of outcome focus, which is just like I said, the meandering, which is really that attitude of play and curiosity just by going for a walk or just by uh, sitting out and looking at a tree, or playing with magazine images, or reading a book. Like it, it doesn't have to be doing nothing. It's doing whatever you're doing. It's not with an outcome-focused intention. You're not trying to get somewhere, and you're not trying to accomplish something. You're more in a being mode. Yeah. Well, I think that can be what is, is really hard for us to get into is just to be and not be doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and my whole experience, like I would say probably the last five years of my life has really been because last time we spoke, we were talking about spirituality. So for me, it really has been a spiritual journey. It didn't necessarily just start five years ago, but it felt like it really came to a heightened place where being mode was no longer optional. Like I felt like my body said, no, you're going to be, you've done enough. And so what I, part of the reason I'm so passionate about my message is because I don't want other people to get to that place that there are warming signs kind of along the way. And if you are, if you find yourself exhausted, if you find yourself irritable, if you find yourself overwhelmed, like your body's telling you, you need to find more space for being. We're human beings, right? It sounds cheesy. We've heard it before, but it's trite and cliche for a reason because it's true. And there's yeah. so much truth in that. And when our action can come from that primary place of being, we're going to have so much more impact. It's more powerful. There's inspired action versus coming from that hustle of, I have to do this. I need to get this done you know, the more grounded we are and who, you know, just a human being, then we can do without being so jam-packed in our schedule. And so for those, I will add to that, for those people that do have a tighter schedule, it's not to say that you don't still do those things, but then start asking, how can I bring more of this attitude of curiosity and play into what I'm doing? So it's not necessarily the let go of the action altogether, but it's taking out the pressure that there has to be a certain outcome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for explaining that white space concept that way. Cause you know, even that, I mean, it can kind of be a cliche like, Oh, you need more white space in your schedule. And it's like, I think, you know, when you think about the pause, you know, you, we need to pause to be able to, I mean, for one thing, it does make us more productive and better at problem solving and able to think better. And those things are important, but that's not the only reason to do it. Well, yeah. And for me, the pause has been, been really important for being able to hear. 
You know, like if we're so, if we're so um, focused on outcome and we're so focused on the agenda, then there may, we, we can be missing some very important information about what's best for us. And um, I'm trying to think if there's a, like a concrete example that comes to mind to help demonstrate that a little bit better. I just actually, I just posted on Instagram the other night, it was that Wednesday night. So I had an invitation to go to a networking meeting and it was conscious capitalism and it sounded exciting and I liked the person that invited me and I was all set to go and dressed, but right before I was headed out, I heard quite clearly, you really don't need to go. You know, I, I just heard it and, and I, did, I chose to ignore it and, and it's, I don't get it right all the time. There are times when I listen and I act and I'm like, wow, that was powerful. And there are times where I ignore and I don't listen. And then I'm like, damn, I really wish I would have listened. Because by the time I got there, I was stuck in traffic. I couldn't find the place. The person that was meeting me never showed. I got an email from her later saying, you know, that she had a family emergency. There were all these other things that happened while I was there. I came home actually feeling pretty run down and not very well. And I was like, yeah, Lainey, you could have listened. And I didn't. And the more space we have in our life, the easier it is to hear. And I mean, that's something I've been cultivating to be able to hear that more clearly. And, and, and like I said, I don't always get it right. I don't always respond the way I want. But the more we do that, in my experience, the more I end up in the right place at the right time and things flow so much easier because of that intuition. Yeah, you can't hear from your intuition or your inner wisdom if you're just busy going, going, going. We can't tune into it. And I agree with you that being in nature, being outside, or just being still it's definitely important to be able to access that. But uh, let's talk more about kind of the connection between creativity, play, intuition, nature, and self-care. Yeah, that's a lot, right? <laughs> so go. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> it's so funny because even as you say it, I'm like, dang, how, I'm gonna, how am I going to answer that? <laughs> And what I, um, what I appreciate, about, appreciate about the question and what I appreciate about, appreciate about the answer that I have no idea <laughs> how it's going to come is exactly what I see as the connector between creativity and nature and intuition and inner child and all of those pieces. Because the, the lens that I wear as, a, as an art therapist, as a creative, as a coach, is really one that life is a creative process and nature is a creative process. And so it's always organically unfolding, which means that there's not a right and there's not a wrong. And so my mind might tell me that I'm going to F this question up or I'm going to totally screw this and bomb it. But the truth is, is that whatever needs to come out is going to come out. And so that to me really is how I see the connection between like our creativity, right? We can't be a bad artist, quote unquote, if we allow ourselves to fully be expressed in the world that is our creativity. We don't necessarily have to have the skill of a illustrator or architect or, you know, what our kind of 
modern culture has labeled as creative, just fully expressing who we are in the world. And part of being able to do that is being able to hear those inner nudges. And oftentimes they don't make any sense. They might sound very childlike in a sense, you know, the, the inner nudge to, to go rollerblade or the inner nudge to go uh, do something that's completely out of the ordinary that can then very much inspire the work that we do. So taking those breaks out of the, the mind-focused um, agenda that we were talking about outcomes in order to give space to what's called divergent thinking. It's like all the innovators in the world know that they have to create that white space we were talking about earlier in order to see new and creative solutions. And a lot of times they just don't make sense to our logical mind. And that's how we discover new things. I mean, that's how we live in the world that we do that's been created and have all this innovative technology is coming from the willingness to play with new things, new ideas, new concepts until something is born. And kids do that, right? Like when we think about the inner child, they aren't born thinking that, well, this is stupid. We can't do it this way. It's never been done this way. They just play until something is created. And so when we can kind of get our mind out of the way that things have to be a certain way, we really do have a lot of intelligence that I see connected to the inner child and our inner wisdom. I love that you're bringing the inner child into this because that's so much a part of you know, my own personal journey and my work with clients and, you know, every, it's, it's the opposite of all the things that are so rigid and structured and overly structured and overly um, scheduled in our, in our culture is that, you know, to skip or dance or, you know, run through a field yeah, you, you mentioned nature earlier in terms of how it connected to everything. And really, that is the nature. I mean, that's what I see as our true nature is that we're all those kids at heart. You know, even all the helping professionals, you know, the clients that I work with, the colleagues that I connect to, like we're all kids running around in these adults, you know, roles. And when we ignore that little inner child or those inner nudges, the ones that want to play. And that's what brings energy and joy to our life. And when we ignore that, that's how we end up in burnout. That's how we, when we're so focused on outcome that we can't enjoy the process, then we completely lose the purpose. Yeah. It's a, it's a real parallel too with how therapy is that, the best therapy, I mean, therapy is not about the individual sessions. It is about the whole process. But the, the best therapeutic work happens when you're in that flow and not in this, okay, our goal for today's session is to do this. So therefore, you know, I have to steer it in this direction or make sure we cover such and such, you know, I mean, there are certain practical considerations that have to be included when you're doing therapy, but we can, we ourselves can get in the way of the therapeutic process if we are strictly being rigid about the way we are trying to 
make it go instead of just allowing the process to unfold and trusting it. I always remind myself, trust the process, just trust the process. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Because the fact is, is that it's about relationships and relationships can get a little messy and relationships are not linear. And when we um, are so attached to our own agenda, we, we totally get in the way. You know, we totally get in the way. And so there's space in there for us to really treat the session and treat the process, like you said, the process as a creative one. You know, that's one thing that I love about being an art therapist is that I was trained to see the sessions as a creative process. And so there's, there's really not a right or wrong way. I mean, obviously you don't want to do harm to a client, but there's, there's not a structure that's so specific to, you know, every client. It's every client becomes its own creative process. Every relationship rather with that client becomes its own creative process. And so that just invites so much room for exploration and and what can feel like an adventure right? When we think about the inner child, it's like when we give space for this to go in all different ways and treat it as it's almost like a road trip and we don't know where we're going to get to stop and what we're going to get to see and what we're going to get to look at along the way. And so when we can really approach life, you know, not just therapy, but for therapists, that's a great invitation. But then also just as humans, when we can treat everything that way, then there's so much um, less space for frustration and stress. It's just this trust that everything really is exactly the way it needs to be. And even when it's not going the way that we necessarily like it, there's an invitation in there to to ask, like, how can I bring joy to this? How can I shift either my uh, mindset and my uh, frame around this? Or how can I shift the activity itself to bring more play and joy? Hmm. I'm thinking about so many times of life when things are not going the way we want them to and how sometimes us resisting against what is actually happening makes it more painful versus being able to just be in the experience and going with what's happening. And I'm thinking about like if someone you loved had you know, a severe illness or even they were dying and, you know, you didn't want them to die and you didn't expect this to happen. But in that process, while it's happening, you can still be, you can find joy, you can find playfulness, you can, you know, there are experiences within that. Absolutely. Yeah. You can find the beauty. And I think that's where the nature connects to part of your question in that, you know, we're in uh, a living organism and a living organism is, it involves birth and death and regeneration. And when we look at the the world and life through that lens, that, that everything's constantly being created, you know, there's a creation that the death, even though, yeah, there's pain there, but there doesn't have to be suffering. Because in the pain, there's beauty that this person had this long life. Uh, I was actually the thing that's coming to mind. I can't remember if it's called Buddha brain or Buddhist brain, the Rick Hansen book, but I think in there I could be. Buddha's brain. I think it is. Buddha's Buddha's brain. brain. I think that's the the, uh, book that I'm remembering, but in there, 
if I have the right book, he it talks <laughs> about the hand and in the hand uh, being an aging hand that from one perspective, he could look down and see kind of the grotesque in that, you know, that it's, it's wrinkled and dry and aging. And then in the other, uh, on the same kind of uh, spectrum, other end of the spectrum is the beauty in the fact that this hand has had so much life and this is just evidence of that journey. And so whether it's a hand or a decaying flower or the loss of a loved one, it's part of the whole picture and being able to hold that polarity of, of life and death or birth and death rather is life. And so yes, pain is part of it, but then joy is there and we wouldn't know joy if we didn't know pain. So being able to just hold both and, and live in those spaces, like live in the, in the in between of that, that will be in different parts of that spectrum and moving back and forth and just being able to embrace that. I think, yeah, it, it creates less suffering. Like you said, there's, there's less resistance in that. Yeah. The struggle goes away. Yeah, absolutely. And when the struggle goes away, there's space for things to come and go. And when they you know, it's like knowing that in this moment, things will pass, that joy is just around the, the corner. Like if I can allow this to pass and I don't cling to it mentally, then soon enough I'll be doing the things that also bring me joy. Yeah. Yeah, and you can, of course, find joy in the relationship you have that you love this person. That's why you don't want them to die, you know? Exactly, yeah. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. And just, I think just being able to look at the whole, you know, we were talking about nature and creativity and the overlap of that and intuition and self-care and all the pieces. I think what it really boils down to is kind of that almost the, um, what's traditionally thought of as the right brain, being able to see the whole and the gestalt and not just focusing on the problem because, you know, and even when I say problem, it's in air quotes because the, the death of someone is not really a problem. You know, it's something that we, we maybe don't like, but it is part of the nature of life. And so when we look at everything from the whole, you know, it's kind of like the bird's eye view, everything is just as it needs to be. And there's so much room for exploration in that and, and, in terms of where the inner child comes in, it's like if this inner child is experiencing that pain or even the adult and the inner child, 
or experiencing that pain, really being gentle and compassionate with both in terms of offering, like, what do I need? What would feel really good? And being able to lean into that so that there, it is kind of, I tend to call it bundle with joy. So when it's something that we don't like, or it's something that we wouldn't necessarily prefer, that we're still meeting it with that compassion and being able to comfort ourselves and, um, yeah, and just ride the journey. Yes, staying in what's happening instead of moving away from it to avoid pain, which just prolongs the pain. Right, yeah, the whole what we resist persists. Yeah, exactly. It's so interesting. It's like I can always kind of feel comforted and reassured when I look at life this way, but, you know, there's something about our our human brains that we want to you want it to be this or that you know the non-duality is very binary to hold on to yeah yeah we want to we want to understand we want a a solution that's clear makes sense what's the problem what's the solution let's just fix it and we'll be done you know so we can get back to being happy 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 I know. And I do think a large part of that is cultural in the sense that, you know, before we hit the record button, but button, pardon me, (laughs) we were talking about like the social media, you know, and how there can be a lot of happy posts and not always necessarily uh, the whole picture. And so even there, it's like another example of, um, yeah, just inviting you know, the ability to stay present to what is and not necessarily have to force it into happy, joyous, and free all the time. Because again, we have these shadow parts, if you want to call them that. It's like the light and the dark, the yin and the yang. We wouldn't know one without the other. So trying to constantly get rid of one is just a waste of energy. It's really allowing it to come and go while also noticing, is this really something, I mean, that's a question I, I like to ask, is this real? Um, and actually, that's some, uh, something that one of my um, supervis- supervisees shared with me that she uses, because I would say uh, a tool that I had used in the past was, uh, am I in love or am I in fear? And she would say, yeah, and, and the thing that works for me is, is this even real? Because a large majority of the time, whatever we have going on mentally is what's creating our reality and the story that we're telling ourselves about that. And so even if it comes to like someone passing, you know, it's what story are we telling ourselves? Are we looking at it from the whole, like we were talking about, or is it more like through the problem lens, you know, Mm -hmm. that this is a problem because when we, it's, the way I tend to think of it is like focusing on the black dot. When we focus on the black dot, it just gets bigger and bigger. Like if you were to see, <laughs> this might be too personal. <laughs> I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> You're thinking about it. You're taking a minute. So <laughs> there's um, on, a, on a monthly calendar, it's very predictable that I will go through the kitchen and notice the little leave, um, like little particles that my dog has, has brought in from that morning when she goes out. Now, three weeks out of the month, I might not even notice them, <laughs> but, but on, like clockwork and my partner will say, oh, there she goes counting pennies. <laughs> so I'm like moving around the kitchen, you know, like picking up the little 
leaf particles that have come in. <laughs> and, and it's a really great example of how when, you know, our, when our mind is focused on the problem, we see that. So, you know, just on the biological level, that happens where I happen to see more problems during that time of the month. However, I know, knowing that about myself helps a lot not to take it personally and not to get so serious about it. And at the same time, the same thing happens everywhere else in, in the world too. Like if I let it, if I focus on the problem, I'm just, I'm just going to see problems. You know, I'm just going to notice that. And if I'm intentionally making a practice of cultivating where is the joy? Where is the beauty? Where are the things that are flowing? Then I start to see that. And when I'm in that state, I start to see so many more creative solutions and life feels so much easier. And I don't get it right every day, but I can definitely attest to the fact that the more I practice that, the smoother things get. Yeah. That is really beautiful. It, it just makes me think how, you know, as therapists, and I'm a social worker, like the people you were talking to yesterday, it can be like, well, and this is when I know that I'm getting into burnout is like, how can I be happy when there's so many people suffering? Mm. Or how can I be happy when there's so much injustice in the world? Mm. Or all the things that you know, I really care about, like, how can I be happy when someone else is dying of cancer or whatever? Like, it's not right that I get to just throw a ball with my dog and have fun because they don't get to do that. And, you know, sometimes we can really get caught into that kind of thinking. So that seems like to me what you're saying about focusing on the problem. It's like, yes, all of those things are true, that those things are happening. And in this moment, I'm here in my backyard. My dog and me could play ball. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it, hurt the other people that I play ball with the dog. It doesn't help them not have cancer if I don't play ball with the dog, <laughs> you know? So why yeah, not? Yeah, and, and I can't remember the quote right now. I just, I'm not good at remembering those types of things, but there's, I saw it just recently somewhere. And so I'll butcher it a little and try to get it right. But it's basically no amount of your suffering can save them. You know, like when we are in our highest good, we're in that potential to bring the most light to the world. And so, you know, it's the same kind of argument of not watching the news, for example. I haven't watched the news in years. Yeah, me too. By choice. And because me not being in my best state is not helpful to the world me being as happy, grounded, and in joy as possible gives me the energy to bring my creative gifts to the world to help in the way that it feels good to me. And there's, you know, the, the state of the world has been in its condition for as long as I know of. It's not as if, I mean, I, sometimes I hear people saying it's getting worse, and, but historically there's been problems quote unquote problems since the beginning of time. And if we're one person who can't solve them all, then we get to choose what, what solutions we want to bring to the world in our corner of the world. And so, you know, I, I'm just reminded of that on a regular basis that no amount of suffering on my end 
is necessarily going to save and help someone else. Me being in my best state is the thing that's going to offer. It's like offering the um, life preserver, you know, to someone who needs it. Yeah, that's that's a great reminder. And I, I feel like along with that, we can do, we, me, you, and everyone who's listening to this and everyone in the world can do so much good on an individual level, community, you know, micro and macro levels in so many ways. Every interaction you have with another human, you have the potential to spread kindness, nonviolence, or, you know, the opposite. opposite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that because it's um, good for people to hear that no amount of kind kindness and, and kind deeds is too small. You know, like if we can just start even in our own neighborhoods, that spreads, there's a huge ripple effect in that. And to not minimize you know, to not minimize that because that being the foundation then gives you, and I'm just thinking about you and, and it brings me so much joy to imagine you throwing your ball to your dog <laughs> and thinking about, oh my gosh, if Laura didn't do that, what, how could she run a group practice, <laughs> right? Like that takes energy and we need that time we were talking about at the beginning of the call, the white space, that's your white space that there's no real true outcome. I mean, imagine you want your dog to have fun and get exercise, but it's not a real agenda. It's very outcome oriented for the dog. In her mind, it's very important to bring that ball back every <laughs> <Yes>. time. But, <laughs> but for Laura, it could yes. be considered a, a, it's a fun. divergent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a divergent activity that allows white space and play, you know, and gives you that reset. And, and if you didn't have that, I would be very sad for the fact that you may not have the energy to do all the great things that you do in the world. Oh, you're so kind to say that. But yeah, it's, I mean, you're reminding me that I need to get back to making more time for unstructured, unplanned, free-flowing um, spans of time. Yeah, I that has been a, a real game changer in my life. And one of the things that um, inspired it was, I think there was a, a maybe a coach in a group program that I did that mentioned this book, Essentialism. And um, it's by Greg McEwen, also same title, Essentialism. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of, I mean, if I sum it up in just one, you know, one statement, the whole book is if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a no. Mm-hmm. And the last several years of my life have really, I've never said no so much in my life. And it was uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable to, and, and my mind can get worked up at times and think, oh my God, what are they going to think? What she should be there. Why would she turn that down? Blah, 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 blah. And, and I do it because of that inner child. I do it because that part of me that, that wants to experience as much joy as I can in this life knows that if I take something out of an obligatory, obligatory should, that that's not going to be in my highest good, that there will be a trace of resentment and that's not how I want to give. And so I often mention that book to people because there's a lot of um, 
I think, wisdom in that to be able to look at the things that really light you up and give you the most energy and the things that drain you. And taking honest inventory of that and being willing to take courageous action to let the things go that don't just light you up. Hmm. I got to check that book out. <laughs> it's a good one. I'll put that on my to-do list. <laughs> Just kidding. Unscheduled. Uh, unscheduled. <laughs> White <Yeah>. space. <laughs> so so here's, a, here's an invitation because I too have lots of books around and I usually get rid of a lot or I use the library so that I don't have to constantly buy and donate. And so right now I happen to be in a phase where I have a lot of unread books and I could easily get into my mind and think, oh my gosh, I should be reading that. Those are going to be due. Which one am I going to start on, you know, and have the whole agenda strategy that we've been talking about. Or I can trust my inner guide and listen to that intuition and joy is the compass. And so if I feel like, hmm, it would be nice to read which one feels exciting, like really tuning in and listening to my body versus the old me would have probably said, well, you've already read this one or you only have a few pages left of this or we really need to do this one in order to get that one back on time. You know, like there's logic in that. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of wisdom in letting some of our logic go and, and leading with the heart and letting the logic be there for when there is a need to, for structure and how to but there's not a right or wrong in terms of what's going to feel good to read. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for that. Do you have enough time for me to take up like 10 more minutes with you? Oh, of course. So um, how, how do you help people make these kinds of changes for self-care? Like, do you have any suggestions yeah, I mean, I think one of the first ones that, that comes to mind, I've already somewhat alluded to in terms of taking honest inventory. Mm -hmm. But I think before we can even get to the honest inventory, there has to be some white space. And so I really do invite clients when we're first starting together to carve out at least, you know, a little bit of time each day. And preferably, it's a morning routine or a ritual of some sort where they can just start to make that time. Because for some people, that's a lot to ask. If someone already has a morning ritual or routine, then we'll start looking at other ways to incorporate perhaps an evening routine or an evening ritual. And then in between uh, the actual carving of white space, there's that, that inventory that I was talking about where we're starting to look at each aspect of their life. Because a, lo a lot of my clients are, they're helping professionals, but they're also entrepreneurs. And so they're wearing multiple hats and, the, and they can get into that feeling of overwhelm or burnout. And we really don't want to look at the just the personal life and ignore the business life. And we don't want to just look at the business life and ignore the personal life. And so it really is looking at like taking a holistic inventory of each category and what that like ideal lifestyle would be knowing you, you know, all the personal things that we all have individual preferences. And then once you know that, you know, you've, you've taken that really honest inventory and you're, you're willing to look at what's working and what's not working, it's about beginning to take some of that inspired action, but not from a forced hustle place. Because there's a lot of 
wisdom, I would say, that can happen when we're in flow. And part of being in flow is being in your body. Like we've been talking about getting out of the monkey mind and the strategy and the logic and all of those things and getting into your body so that you can hear those nudges. And so that's a big part of the work that I do with clients is I use um, the nature piece that we've talked about, but then also the creativity piece to really ground them into to what it is to be in their body, what it is to start listening, what it is to take inspired action on those pieces. And so in terms of, you know, things that you can do right now and to, to kind of get started, I would say if you don't already have a morning routine, that's a really great place to start is to carve some time for yourself. And, and it doesn't have to be a long period of like I've done online challenges with people before where it was as little as eight minutes a day. And these, they were therapists and counselors and some students and, and they act, I mean, they really had major shifts just from eight minutes a day. So mm. it's really about the intention. Like if you're willing to carve that time for yourself and tune in and then if, if you find yourself getting stuck, you know, that's where support can be helpful is to see like, what is it that's getting in your way if you're not able to hear what's blocking that? And that's, you know, I do think a guide can be very helpful for that. Oh, for sure. I mean, we have so many things that we want to learn and implement and change. And, you know, everybody's reading self-help books and listening to, you know, podcasts and five minutes a day to your best life, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that's a real thing. I just made that up. So sorry if that's actually a real podcast or anything, but <laughs> if not. Well, and I think it's an important thing, you know, even in what you're saying, it's a really important distinction because again, just like I shared with the social workers last night, it's not about teaching anything new because we are inundated with information. Like there is no shortage of information out there. And so one of the things that I see is that people actually become overwhelmed and confused by trying to do all of those things versus listening to themselves. So that's why I find, well, that's just why I'm passionate about the work that I do, because it's about teaching people to listen to themselves. And it's about bringing that voice forward and allowing them to be more themselves versus trying to do it in a way that worked for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really valuable to know that we can we can do what we can do on our own, but if we can't connect with that inner wisdom, you know, having someone to guide you back to it is invaluable. Yeah, that relationship is really invaluable just to have that mirror to see the blind spots where, you know, we can't all see. Like I said, I was... I was having one the other day and thankfully I have supports and coaches and things in life that, yeah, they can just help us get back to where we, we know we need to be. Yeah. So Lainey, you are now doing, tell me what you're doing. I didn't even ask you like I usually do at the <laughs> beginning um, to tell our audience more about yourself and your work. You've been on here twice before, but that doesn't mean everyone who's listening has heard you before. So let's just do a little description of who you are and what you do now, because I know it's evolved a lot over the time I've known you. 
It has, yeah. So I'm a registered art therapist, and I do have a, a group therapy practice in Phoenix, Arizona. So we're a, um, a group of expressive arts therapists and um, have expressive arts trauma therapist, marriage and family art therapist. And so we work with all ages, um, families, teens, adults. And uh, if you're interested or want to look into that more, the website's integrativearttherapy.net. And then I also work with helping professionals, usually driven helping professionals who kind of lost their own zest for life, whether, and most of the time it's in, in business too, they have their own kind of uh, creative adventure, or not venture, but venture. And it's, uh, it is an adventure actually. It's an adventure, all right. <laughs> Owning your own business is definitely an adventure. And, and so, yeah, a lot of my clients either have their own private practice or they want to start one or they're shifting out of, you know, uh, kind of a more structured, linear, logical arena into a more creative uh, business. And so I work with those helping professionals and uh, just to bring more creativity and play and ease into the work that they're doing. And uh, you can find out more information about that at LaneySmithCoaching.com. Perfect. Well, Lainey, thank you so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. I love talking with you every time and it's always so comforting somehow. I don't know what it is. It's just your presence. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. And yeah, I love being able to share as I evolve. And um, yeah, it's just great to be back. Oh, and before we go, I do have a free gift for your listeners. So um, if you would like more information and how to apply some of what we talked about today, I have the 10 pillars of vitality and you can grab that at LaneySmithCoaching.com forward slash vitality guide. That sounds awesome. Thank you, Laney. I'm sure people are going to want to grab that up. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for being on Therapy Chat. Thanks for having me, Laura. It was a blast. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Lainey Smith. I always love talking with Lainey, and I think that probably comes through when you listen to our discussion. I hope you found it informative, useful, helpful, interesting, or in some way got something out of it. And as always, I appreciate you listening to Therapy Chat. Thanks so much. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.